welcome to episode 6 of Full Impact, a Neon Genesis Evangelion Exegesis. Today we'll be covering episode 6 of the series labeled Showdown in Tokyo 3, or Ray 2. I'm your host, Nick, and with me as always is the eccentric Allison. Ah, interesting. That's me. (laughs) Hello, everybody. So, I mean, I've said this, I think I said this on the last one, but this one is a big one. <laughs> this one's a huge one. This is a huge one, yeah. There's there's a lot happening in this episode, not just, you know, thematically, but a lot, you know, of detail is, is happening, a lot of banter and, you know, things we haven't seen before. So it's definitely mm-hmm. a, a good one. Plus we get the conclusion to that awful cliffhanger we were left on the previous episode. Yeah, yeah, that was rough. But they love a good cliffhanger. So, I mean, we pick, pretty much pick up right exactly where we left off before, um, where Shinji was getting obliterated via the angel, which is just like a floating prism, essentially. Um, and it's my understanding that you have some, some information on this angel, is that right? I certainly do. Um, so this uh, Ramiel, is that, am I pronouncing that correctly? <laughs> Uh, I would say Ramiel. Ramiel? Yeah. Um, It's actually one of my faves, um, visually anyway. And also it's doing things that we see uh, angels have not done prior. Uh, Its name means thunder of God. Um, It's the symbol of the angel of thunder. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's different in that it is not in a human-like form, uh, that we had seen previously, like not human-like, but had more human characteristics. This is more just, you know, a, looks like a prism. <laughs> so that, that kind of makes it a little bit different from yeah. the angels that we've seen previously. Yeah. It's more, more abstract than what we're used to. And it's actually an octahedron which is two pyramids linked together um, is what it actually is comprised of if we want to get an octahedron yes so not just a cool looking diamond thing (laughs) nope there is actually a legit name for what its shape is Um, and the colors are cool Um, I think it's like almost mirrored on the top too, right? I mean, can't we? Like, sends out different light characteristics and things, which are pretty cool. Um, Yeah, and it's and it's as we're gonna find out, it's it's much different than the previous angels that we've seen. Yeah, it's almost it looks like it's like translucent, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like there's doesn't look like there's anything inside of it, which obviously doesn't really make sense, but Mm -hmm. that's what it looks like at least. So, yeah, so Shinji gets hit. Um, they immediately uh, bring him back down. Romeo's left there just, like, floating there. Even though it doesn't have a face, it just looks very menacing. Just this octahedron <laughs> staring just, you down. Yeah, just hovering <laughs> in the air. Like, yeah, seemingly not being piloted by anything, just hanging there. Yep. Yeah, and essentially incapacitated Unit 1 with one hit. <laughs> Right. And it went through a building to do it. Like, so it obviously, you know, it has the power number one and the accuracy number two that it hit Shinji like right on target immediately. Mm -hmm. So it's it's pretty sophisticated. Indeed. So they take him down. Um, Shinji's in rough shape. Uh, 
the chest plates all melted. They're saying how his brain waves are unstable. He's got a low heart rate. And I think they use a defibrillator, but they call it a heart massage. <laughs> <laughs> Which is essentially what it is. <laughs> yeah. If we're going to get technical. <laughs> it's just a nice way to put it. Um, yeah. Another thing is, which is kind of cool, is when they eject the plug, um, I think this is the, I mean, we'll see later on, but so far at least, this is the only time we see how the pilots get in and out of the plugs, mm-hmm. you know, because we usually just see them in the plug, not how they actually get there, but it's got this, like, mechanical arm that, like, mm-hmm. takes them out, yep. which is kind of cool. Yeah, and it goes, like, in the spine of the Ava, like, almost in, like, the base of its neck. Um, so it's kind of, you know, I guess it's... it's it makes sense that that's where it would be. I mean, you'd think it'd be in the the head part, like in the brain, but actually, I mean, if you think about it, that's, that's where everything connects, like your, your body to, you know, your brain. And so it makes sense that that's where the pilot would kind of go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Shinji's in rough shape and, and now it started to make me think, well, uh, maybe he's going to be in the same shape Ray was, you know, like obviously she was all banged up that we saw before. Like we haven't seen Shinji this, you know, get hit this hard before, but, but you know now, but we know it's possible, and now it's possible. For yeah, him. yeah. Um, so yeah, he's not 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 doing not doing too well. No. Um, and you know the Ramiel it starts starts drilling into the ground, <laughs> just protrudes this drill out of itself. Yep. Um, and you know Shinji gets brought to the like operating room or like intensive care unit type thing. Mm-hmm. And Misato goes with them, very motherly. She's worried about him. She's, I mean, as it's been revealed to us over the course of the last few episodes, I mean, I think she really has, you know, a a lot of compassion for Shinji and and a lot of affection for him, like in a, a, yeah, in a more maternal kind of way. Um, And she's looking out for him. And he took a big hit and she knows it. And, you know, he's one of their, their only hopes to try to defeat these things. So, yeah, I think she's super concerned about him. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what that, I can't. You know what it felt like. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's obviously you know they feel the pain of the, um, you know of what's happening. Even though it's not physically happening to them, it's obvious that it does. You know when he was getting his arm squeezed, and we so we know that there's there's pain involved. It's just that's got to be something. It, yeah. it, and it knocked him out because he had, didn't he have like blood coming out of his nose when he came yeah, out. Yeah, I think he had a bloody nose. Mm-hmm. So we know it's um, pretty serious. Yeah, and just to go back just for a second, um, talking about the entry plug again, you're right, it does go into, like, the base of the neck. But what that would kind of mean is that when it is, when it's screwed in, Shinji would kind of be resting almost, like, in the very, like, center of the chest type area. Yep, yep, front and center. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, as I said before, the, uh, the angels are drilling into the ground, which begs the question, why are the angels trying to get into the geofront? It's an right, excellent so question. What's down there? Yeah. 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 <laughs> All good questions. Question of the day. <laughs> why? Uh, yeah. And like, uh, why? And it seems pretty like a pretty specific 
use, you know, I mean, it could use a bomb, it could use, you know, um, it could create other little things to like infect the grid. There's plenty of other, you know, options, but it specifically is, it takes a, a drill form and it looks pretty sophisticated. It doesn't have like a, like a, um, a second bit on it or something that seems to like, you know, be qualified. It has, to go like, a, layers. It has like a laser tip. Yeah. And ridges around it. Yeah, I mean, it's not your typical, you know, <laughs> drill. Mm-hmm. This isn't, yeah, it's not your many. Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't your craftsman drill. I mean, this is a step above that. But yeah, it, but it's, this it's, ain't it's, your father's drill. <laughs> <laughs> that could be its tagline. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it seems to be going through like butter, so it knows what it's doing. Yeah. Uh, but following that, we see that they blow up this like Macy's Day Parade style <laughs> balloon. <laughs> I love this thing. I absolutely love this thing. I thought it was hilarious because you see it and you're like, wait a minute. where?" And then all of a sudden you see this tiny little tugboat <laughs> pulling this giant float as a kind of a diversion. It was really funny, I thought. I mean, yeah. a good strategical move, but yeah, pretty funny. And I must guess my only question for this is why? Why do you have this? <laughs> I, I don't. That's a good question. I don't How know. many do you have? Multiple? Who blows them up? You know, <laughs> I have a lot of questions. <laughs> Who's man in that boat? <laughs> yeah. How did they know to like, get it? Yeah, I, I don't know. short straw on that one. <laughs> Maybe they have it, you know, uh, inflatable Avas all over the place, and then just wherever they happen to need them, they just inflate them. Who knows? All these questions. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> you don't, but they seem to have a plan anyway. I mean, they. I guess. I guess it goes back to two. I mean, they they've been working on this project now. I mean, for a while, and I'm sure that Gloves has thought of, you know, every possible scenario. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't be putting this plan into placement. Kind of his back is against the wall because things are happening. But also, I think he's, you know, this is his life's work. You know, he's got to have contingency plans along the way somewhere. I would think. Yeah, you know, this reminds me, this is what I just thought of in the episode of The Office where they have um, too much money and Oscar's trying to explain <laughs> to Michael what what they're doing with it. Yeah, And he, it's like, Gendo is Michael, but instead of buying a fur coat, he's like, you know what, I'm just going to buy a giant ass balloon <laughs> of Evan Gillian. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, but in this case, it actually worked, you know, not worked, but it gave them information that they wouldn't have had otherwise. So this giant balloon actually did serve its purpose. Yeah. So then they take uh, like a mortar tank or truck and they put it even farther away than the balloon was. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, comes out of this tunnel. It shoots its mortar at it. It just like bounces off the AT field of the angel. And then like an old Western movie, Ramil just like pulls his pistol out of his pocket and like one hit <laughs> blows that thing up. Yep. Yep. It's obviously sophisticated and it can obviously track its targets. There's no doubt about that. And I mean, yeah. they, these are like military grade weapons that they're using on this thing too. Like this is, you know, and it's just bouncing off of it like a, <laughs> like a quarter. So it's, it's obviously showing us the, the, the level of power this thing has. Yeah, definitely. And they give some little technical mumbo jumbo about the AT field. Um, and basically that it's, this particular one's like overpowered that it says it's phase transition space is so strong that it's visible to the naked eye. 
Mm. Um, so I thought this would be a good little segue into a little like uh, extra lesson on what the AT fields are. I think that's ex- the, excellent. Yes. So this is coming from the manga again. Uh, they have like in between the volumes, they have little excerpts to just give information on various things. Uh, and so here's a little quote from it. Named for the absolute terror it inspires, a directional field visually manifesting as concentric hexagons, a shield theoretically almost invulnerable to physical attack. The AT field is not underst- is understood not to exert physical force per se, but instead to warp normal three-dimensional space in a manner that serves to deflect attack. Only angels in the Evangelion units are known to be capable of generating an AT field. By generating one in close proximity to that of an angel, an Ava unit can effectively cancel its usefulness to the angel as a defense and then close for hand-to-hand combat. Hmm. End quote. Interesting. And AT stands for again? Absolute terror. Absolute terror. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why do you think that they, why do you think they named it that? Like, do you think there's like some significance to that? I really have no idea other than it just sounds really extra. No idea. (laughs) I mean, I guess if I'm like thinking of naming things, I don't know that I would like shield something like that. Like, but absolute terror. And I guess maybe, you know, if I'm thinking out loud about it, maybe it's just because it's terrifying that you can throw all of your, you know, um, firepower at this thing and it does nothing. And that's pretty terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean, probably getting into more than we should, but I guess like if you throw your strongest thing at it and it does nothing, you'd probably be pretty scared the first time. So maybe that's when they yeah, possibly who knows. But yeah, um, but yeah, so it's it's so it's warping three dimensional time, like to, time space. To so like, yeah, I don't know. It's above it's above my pay grade. But it's so, interesting to know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it comes up a lot. So it's definitely, it does. It does. Um, and so they kind of go over what's happening, what the angel's doing. They basically say that, you know, it's tunneling through the geofront using a giant drill that's 17.5 meters in diameter. Um, for those of you who are listening in the States and don't use the metric system, um, that's about 57 feet uh, across. Thank you. Which is quite large. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another quick thing that's not really relevant, but is this little spot that they're having this meeting in? Like, where are they? <laughs> I don't feel like I see this this little conference room anywhere else other than this episode. I don't know. Maybe it's like an emergency, you know. I, it, I don't know. That's a good question. It looks know. like the Rubik's Cube meeting room, but I know that's not <laughs> it. But <laughs> that's what it made me think of. Maybe the Rubik's Cube room has an auxiliary room that everybody else uses. Who knows? Maybe. Um, and another funny little thing is that Misato calls it a cheeky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. I love her. It just makes me love her more. <laughs> and it's almost like she doesn't really ever get scared of these things. She gets mad, you know, like she's like calling it a cheeky bastard. Like that's that's just instead of being like in awe of it, she's like, oh, OK, 
challenge accepted. Like, I, I feel like that seems to be her approach to this and why she's good at what she does. Like, she's pushing the boundaries of these things. And and everybody else is, like, so panic mode about it. And she always seems to be like, no, we're, we're this is what we're going to do. Like, very sure of herself. All the more reasons why I'm president of her fan club. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah, I'll be your deputy. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> So they basically say that they have about six hours before it'll burrow through, burrow through. But I think that this might be a translation error because later in the show, they say that they have about nine hours until it happens. And so I'm not sure which one it is. I think it's the nine hours. I think that six hours was inaccurate. Yeah. And, and Masato m- makes mention of a day. So there's a lot of different like time spans. Yeah. But it's... I think one thing that is uh, true is that there are 22 layers to this. Is that true? I wrote that yeah, down. Between the surface yes. and the like top of the geofront, there's 22 layers of armor. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I thought I mentioned that. But when, because, and, and again, just to kind of, um, bring a point up is that there's a lot of information in this episode. I know that we mentioned this in the beginning, but um, especially in the background things, people like giving readings of things and, you know, time things. And and sometimes the translations are different, what you're listening to and what you're reading. Um, but either way, it's a dire situation, regardless of the actual time, um, the specific time. It, it, it's obviously a dire situation. Yeah. And one that one that we have seen that one we haven't seen them in before, you know, it's always been like kind of a ground attack. Now, all of a sudden, they're trying to get down to them. And that's that's something that we haven't seen before. Yeah, yeah, definitely a different scenario than they're they're used to. Um, so they I think Ritsko starts talking about Ava one saying basically that the function core wasn't hit. So like that's good. So like you'll be able to repair it. Um, and they said unit zero, like even though the activation was good, there's being, there's errors in the feedback, which I'm not really sure what to make of that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I don't know. Do you think anything of that? Or do you think that's something we're supposed to just kind of move past? Um, I think it's something we kind of don't need to take with too much weight, but maybe saying that kind of, you know, shifts the responsibility again back to Shinji because, you know, if unit zero isn't completely functional, then unit one's going to have to take the brunt of it. So maybe it's kind of alluding to it's it's more of a unit one problem than a unit zero like she that because we're not fully functional yet. Yeah, and I guess like this gives us an idea that Ray and Unit Zero still aren't able to just like be working at the capacity that right. we'd be expecting them to right now. Right, and 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 even less than what Shinji, what G Unit, the numbers that they put out <laughs> is way better than hers. Like I think I, I don't think I ever came up with a combo name for her and her Ava, but I'll work on that for next episode. But um, but. Uh, G unit as a unit immediately off the jump seemed to be compatible and she has some connectivity issues that, that Shinji doesn't have. So maybe by making that point, they're just kind of, you know, alluding to the fact that this is going to be something that Shinji's going to have to do. Yeah. Um, and Shinji is okay. He's like recovering. Um, so we see him in his like little pod thing. And then we see Ray who's just sitting there, and she's looking at Gendo's glasses again. And I don't know, what do you make of that? Is that, is she thinking of Gendo or is she thinking of 
maybe Shinji rescuing her from her. What do you think? Um, I think that it's more of an inspiration for her to keep going. Um, because it's, it seems to me that the only thing that Ray feels connected to is gloves. And so maybe she's just looking at that as a way to kind of like um, motivate herself to, to be in it. You know, um, that's the impression I get that she's keeping it more of a of a reminder to have faith in this project. Because remember, she kind of said that to Shinji. She's like, you know, questioning his loyalty or his faith in his father. Like she obviously has complete faith in him. But, you know, I, I think she needs to be reminded of that because we've also heard her say that, you know, she has trouble connecting to the world and she has trouble, you know, with other people. So maybe that's just like her connection, something physical that can connect. Nectar. That's the way I look at it anyway. Yeah, and it seems like she has a, almost an unusually strong connection with these classes. I mean, she had it with the activation test last, too. You know, this is like her only personal item. Right. And I mean, they're the glasses that, that she that got broken when he was trying to save her, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so I think, too, like, also a reminder that there is someone out there that, you know, is is cares about her um in some way i mean obviously he he got her out of the plug and burned his hands and you know so and and so it's it's a reminder that she has a has a a reason to be in this maybe because maybe she needs that physical reminder yeah and i guess i wasn't meaning was she thinking of shinji rescuing her because obviously that happens later in episode net uh right now but i was thinking do you meant to ask do you think she's thinking of gendo or of shinji since shinji is the one who's like in a critical unit right now like state. Um, I think she's thinking more of Gendo and more of the program and faith in it and what they're doing. Um, I don't know that we've seen her have a real connection to Shinji just yet, other than them being pilots. Um, doesn't see. I mean, it seems like Shinji. You know, he was kind of swooning over her in the beginning and all that stuff. But, like, he seemed to have a connection with her that she doesn't really have with him. I think her focus is mainly on gloves um, and, and because this is his this is his deal and she knows that. So I think it's more like her saying, you know, kind of having faith in the program as a whole that he'll make it through this. I don't know that she's really worried so much about Shinji himself. Yeah. That's just a guess. Just, uh, no, just, I agree. Just one eccentric Gal's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, our next scene we get Misato is presenting her plan to Gendo and Fuyutsuki in Gendo's office. <laughs> Air quotes office. Yeah, with <laughs> like recess lighting everywhere. <laughs> uh, I know. Like he has 360 windows. Yep. And then lights everywhere on the top and on the floor. <laughs> yep, even on the floor. But what's interesting is for those who are watching the show for the first time, it's take a moment if you can and look at his office right now um, because it will change dramatically. And uh, I didn't really appreciate this view into his office that we get on this episode until uh, now. So it's worth taking note. <laughs> I also find it kind of funny now that you mentioned that because I did the same thing. Um, he's got, in in scale, his desk is tiny. <laughs> oh yeah, like this enormous room and this tiny little desk. 
<laughs> it's my understanding. I believe if you when next time you get a look at the geofront and you see the pyramid that they're in, mm-hmm. I believe there's a horizontal line that goes across around the pyramid, like maybe five, six of the way up. And I that I always assume that that's where his that's office where his is. Office. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, it's just it's so it's so I don't know if it's like a feng shui thing or what, but it's just the scale of the scale of the room and the furniture available just seems a little bit out of, out of proportion. Like Yutsuki doesn't even get a chair. <laughs> he just stands. It probably takes like 10 minutes to walk to a bathroom from that I, from right? that office. <laughs> It's got to be very awkward walking in and out of there. And I'm sure that's by design by gloves, but (laughs) yeah. So basically she presents her plan and Gendo asks what the Magi uh, say about it. And I don't know if they've mentioned the Magi. They have not. I will, I will vouch for, and I'm 99% positive on this, that this is the first time that we hear about them. Um, I started, I circled it um, because it was, it's, it's something that I was thinking about. And then it finally came in and I'm like, there's where we hear about it. So yeah, this is the first time. So, yeah. So I guess two good questions for this episode to think about are, why are the angels trying to get into the geofront and what, are the major or what is the magi yes but anyways she tells them that we have to give two approvals and one conditional approval and that the odds of success are 8.7 that's basically like that's their best plan so like there's not really another option mm-hmm. um and this is where i think it tells us that there's they have nine hours instead of the six so they have yeah. nine hours so it's like roughly what like three 3 p.m. ish at that point, I think. It's supposed right, because midnight is supposed to be when everything goes down, right? Right. So then we get Misato and Ritsuko chit chatting about the plan. Um, and Misato, like a boss, she goes to requisition the uh, giant, like, particle cannon that they're going to use for this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say that it's a SSDF tech uh hq prototype um and for anyone who's not familiar with that acronym um ssdf stands for uh, strategic self-defense force it's basically a military organization under the joint control of the united nations and the japanese government got it so and I, I also have to say, to you mentioned this, but she is like a boss in this whole, uh, the whole requisition part of this episode. Is just again knows what she wants, goes in, asks for it, a bunch of like, and these are like, what are they like, military type guys? I mean, they're still part of NERV, right? But it's just like this special, like subdivision, like their weapons division. It's, almost, it's like a, it's like a tertiary. Type okay. thing. So, like, Nerve and the SSDF are both under, uh, I believe, the control of the UN and the Japanese government. Okay. So, it's kind of like they're less useful neighbors at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, regardless, she seems to walk into every room like 
she knows what's up and, and that you just need to get on board. And I love that about her, especially because most of the rooms, almost all of the rooms she's walking into are full of men. So, you know, I, I think that's an important point to make that. Yeah. The, the, and, and she's been right with all of her calls up until this point. So she's pretty confident that what she's doing is, is correct. <laughs> Yeah. And I think it's these are the these are the guys that were shown in the first episode before Nerve was given like control of the situation. They're like we had those like four military men mm-hmm. chit chatting. Um that's where they're from. And the SSDF will come up later, like way, way, way later, but it's important to remember them now because they will show up again. Um and so after they Michelle gives her a little spiel. Rafe in Unit Zero fucking lifts the roof off of this building <laughs> to get the gun. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, easy with that. <laughs> I know, like how this is like the most the like most child cartoony part of this whole episode is Ray lifting the roof off of this whole building. Yep, kinda. <laughs> she like peeks underneath it too, like at first, and then she's like, Yep, take it away. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just like a little sneaky, sneaky sneak in there. <laughs> but I guess, I mean, too, as as we pointed out, um, you know, she's not fully functional yet. So these are the kind of missions that she probably should be doing. Uh, you know, the, the less defense, more offense type of stuff. Uh, so maybe that's why they have her doing it. But you're right. It is the more cartoony <laughs> part of the episode. Yeah. So then uh, I forgot his name. We'll cover them later. They're not as important right now, but uh, Misato's little lackey here asks where they're going to get the energy for it. And they say that to use the weapon, it's going to require 180 kilowatts or 180 million kilowatts. (laughs) 1.21 gigawatts. (laughs) So um, I realized in, you know, hindsight 2020, I should have also used Tokyo for this, but I looked up just as a reference how much electricity like New York City uses in a day mm-hmm. um and i guess it's it uses uh 11,000 megawatts and i guess that one megawatt supposedly powers like 100 homes or mm-hmm. something like that so mm-hmm. in a day they roughly use 11 million kilowatts yeah. so basically this operation is using in one instance the amount of electricity that new york city uses in, in 16 days collectively. wow that's putting it into perspective. But yeah, I mean, and, and that's a huge deal. I mean, think about it. If all of a sudden, you know, in order to not, not just to, you know, for for whatever sake, but you're you're channeling this into a weapon and, and it's coming from everybody's homes like that's that's really crazy. Like, but it's it's a good idea and it's what she's got to do to get the job done. And, and but it's. The prospect is pretty scary, you know, that they're getting that they have to suck all that power from the city in order to, to you know, man this thing. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. And she's like, where are you going to get all that energy? And she's like, oh, I'm just going to use Japan. Duh. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I requisition this, this gun and I'm going to requisition this entire country, bitch. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> just like I, and I wrote down in my notes, she handed it to these guys, like basically said, here's what I'm doing. Just do it. And and they, you know, well, what are you going to do about this? And she had an answer for all of it. So that's why she's like a boss. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after that, we get these quick little shots of uh, 
Shinji's classmates, which I really like because I like anything that shows, you know, these sort of side tertiary characters because I feel like they're they're underrated. So we get Toji and Kensuke playing video games, and it looks like they have like a mock off McDonald's like food items around, <laughs> which yeah. I appreciate. Mm-hmm. And then we get uh, the class rep uh, Hikari, who's just like browsing on the internet. When we see kind of. You know, the emergency vehicles and broadcasts going out saying how there's going to be a major blackout for pretty much the entire evening until uh, daybreak. So, I mean, you know, buckle in. You're not doing anything tonight. Yeah. And, and not only are you not doing anything, but you're doing anything, not doing anything with no electricity. <laughs> So as we can all relate to in these times, you know, it's one thing to be stuck in your house and not being able to go out anywhere. But imagine doing that with no power. (laughs) That would be awful. I mean, granted, it's only for a few hours, but they don't know that. Neither do we. We don't know that this is going to work. And what if somehow something happens and and nobody has any power anymore? I mean, Masato is putting a lot of a lot into this plan because not only can it backfire to not protect them from the angel which could be potentially catastrophic but she could also drain power from the whole city and leave people without any power for god only knows how long so she's putting a lot of a lot of eggs into this basket <laughs> yeah she'll get it done i have faith in her i do too 100 percent faith so misato's talking to various branches of this um particular mission and they basically tell you that Everything will be ready by 2310 hours or uh, 1110 p.m. Um, and the angel's supposed to breach into the geofront run like what a little after midnight, I think they said. Yep, yep, so they have to have, have it done at midnight. So they'll have, well, yeah, they have a little bit of extra time. Um, and so then Rizko talks about uh, defensive measures, which they basically basically built this shield, this giant shield off of a spacecraft um, from the SSTO program, which is uh, just an acronym for single stage to orbit. It's like a basically a spacecraft that when it's lifting off, it doesn't like drop anything, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't like release canisters or anything. It just like gets up there and back without leaving debris behind like a lot of, you know, different sp- spacecrafts have done. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, and then I think after this, Misato names the operation. She calls it, you know, from henceforth, it's going to be called Operation Yashima. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and I am not particularly savvy when it comes to Japanese history, but I looked up what Yashima is, and I guess it would be it's named after a battle. And this is from Ava Geeks. Uh, uh, a battle that happened on March 22nd of 1185 uh, called the Battle of Yashima between the Minamoto clan and the Taira clan, which I don't know anything about, but a little history lesson for the day. Yeah, well, there you go. Appreciate it. This is where you come for that kind of information. And, and does she mention at this point where it's taking place? Or just the name of it? Uh, yeah, some mountain, and I forgot the name of it. It's, uh, it's Mount, Mount Futago. Futago. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote it down. I wasn't sure if you were to that part yet, and I didn't want to give anything away, but I was very proud of myself that I remembered to, to find out where it was happening. <laughs> Mount Futago. Mount Futago. Operation Yashima. Or Yas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Operation Yas. Yas, bitch. <laughs> I prefer that, but yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, so we've um, got we just she just named the the operation. So and now we find Shinji, correct? Yeah, Shinji is regaining consciousness. Um and Ritsuko is like, um, one wonders if he's even willing gonna be willing to pilot again. And Misao just like brushes that off, doesn't even like register it. Mm-hmm. She's just like prepare. Prepare for the battle. <laughs> yep. Yep, because again, she's got confidence in it, and him in the in the plan and what she's got going. I mean, she's not turning back now. Yeah, and what I love is that, like, obviously they had to transfer Shinji to like a regular room, but like they aren't wasting any time. <laughs> like no. as soon as he's conscious, they're like, "All right, give him the give him the rundown here." Yeah, I, it's great. Like the minute he opens his eyes, Ray's like, "Okay, you ready? Here we go." <laughs> yeah, and I I think it's. Maybe because it's like sundown, but the lighting, like the shading of Ray in this bit, the scene, like the how her hair is like a, a slightly different shade or tone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just very appealing. I like it. It's one of my She's favorite always, rays. She also looks a little bit less pale in this. Like it's almost like she's got a little bit of a bronze going on. <laughs> yeah, maybe she's been tanning. <laughs> oh, that midday glow. Yeah. So she pulls out her little notebook and starts reading off, you know, one by one exactly how the operation is going to go down. You know, she's all business. You know, no bedside manner here. She didn't go to nursing school. Nope. Um, uh, but I also just don't even think it registers for her. Like, I, I think that she's just so mission oriented. It's pretty obvious. I mean, the fact that she was as banged up as she was, but she's ready to go back no matter what. I mean, obviously shows something about her character or it shows her dedication to the program. Both, I suppose. Um, but yeah, and, and I think this is also a contrast between her and Shinji. She is very sure of herself. She is very sure of what she's going to do, like without questioning it. Whereas Shinji's always like, do I really want to pilot this? You know, it's always the question to pilot or not to pilot. She doesn't have have that question and he's asked her before you know aren't you scared and she doesn't understand where he's coming from and so they 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 have these very different approaches to being a pilot and so i think this this scene especially kind of shows that because he's he's even he's questioning it again now and she's just like no this is the plan let's go (laughs) and so it's just kind of showing the contrast between her attitude attitude of being a pilot and shinji's attitude of being a pilot yeah she i mean even in her she doesn't even have a good like sync rate with her ava but she's like she's down she's ready to do anything right right and i think it goes back to her faith in the program her faith in gloves yeah so she tries to give him some food and he's like oh i'm not hungry and she's like like, oh i've just been apologizing all the time you know he's like oh do i really need to pilot this again and she's like yeah (laughs) you do yeah and and that's the thing, like he's he's he keeps asking her the same question and he keeps getting the same answer. <laughs> like she obviously like read the room, dude. She isn't having the same struggles that you're having. Like and no matter how much you keep questioning her, that's not going to change. So he's got to figure it out within himself, I think, is is the bottom line. Yeah. And he's held this kind of of idea that he's like the golden boy like if he doesn't do it no one else can you right know? right that's what right. he like held over uh misato when he disobeyed her orders the other episode mm-hmm. and he's like you know what if i don't want to and she's like stay in bed you know i'll do it yeah. myself yeah i'm going with or without you yeah basically yep 
She's like, uh, yeah, we have plans. Like, I can rewrite this whole thing. I'll operate unit one. You can stay in bed and do nothing. You useless piece of poop. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yes. And and I think it really dawns on Shinji at that point. Like, yeah, she's probably right. <laughs> and if I don't do something, she's just going to do it. Yeah. And she just, like, says farewell and she's out of there, you know? Yep. She don't got time to waste on him. Seriously. And he's just, he's always just brooding. It's like, come on, man, buck up. Let's go. We got a job to do. But it's just, it's obvious that there's a difference in their approaches to being pilots, which I guess is true for any, you know, two people that are going to have a different perspective on what their job is. Yeah. So transitioning from there, um, we have a little sign that says that school's closed today, which, you know, yay, snow day. <laughs> <laughs> Power outage day. Yay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that they were learning much in that school anyways, it seems like. Yeah, but... Well, they could have been had they been paying attention, but they, don't, they clearly don't pay attention. So um, Tochi and Kensuke and some of the other guys from either their class or just their school have gathered what seems to be on top of like the school's uh, roof or something. Mm-hmm. And we get this information that Kensuke, one, his dad works for Nerf. And two, he hacked his dad's system to find out where the A was going to be launching from. This is glasses, not tracksuit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Glasses. Okay. Uh, Which further kind of solidifies my hypothesis that a lot of the people that are still in the city have ties to Nerf. And that's why they haven't moved away yet. Either that or they just don't have the resources to do so. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more the uh, that the people there are connected to nerve. Like, I think that that's that's why people are staying. Why else would you want to stay in a place that's clearly a, a war zone? <laughs> yeah. Getting attacked like every few weeks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not exactly your ideal location. So you got to and, and it and they've made it cl- abundantly clear to us, too, by the, you know, deserted streets and deserted buildings and that we've seen in previous episodes and that GD cicadas we keep hearing. <laughs> <laughs> you love them. <laughs> the lack of people is making them deafening um but yeah I, I think you're right i think it's it's mostly the people that are, are connected to nerve in some way yeah and i find the scene both like cute but also kind of scary like one toji and kensuke came here and brought friends of theirs to watch their friend shinji like cheer him on it was like going to a basketball game where your friends like on the team you know type thing mm-hmm. but at the same point they're up here watching this battle, which could very well result in, like, the complete obliteration of everyone in the city. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But, again, I guess it's it's why it's a show. <laughs> yeah. And I, guess, and I guess, too, I mean, if you think about it, if, if you thought it was the impending end of the world, it'd be a pretty dope way to watch it happen, you know? And and uh, at that point, everything's going to be obliterated anyway, so you might as well get a good show at the end. I don't know. Maybe that's what they're thinking. Yeah, also, I mean, I guess if that's going to happen, right. I'd like to watch. Of course. And they're, and they're also kids. Maybe they don't really understand the repercussions of them being out on a roof watching two war machines <laughs> 
face off against each other. But I think too, maybe it's it's a signal that Shinji does have support and that this is something that these kids think is a big deal and and that's going to be something big for Shinji because he he hasn't had that in his life before. So I don't know. Again, it could be foreshadowing that or they just want to see a cool ass show. And I did write dope when the when the two <laughs> Avas come next to each other out of the ground. That is really cool. Like that still shot. Like if you just keep it still there, it's really really dope. Yeah, that would be um like pretty amazing to see. So I don't Absolutely. blame them. No, not at all. And I imagine their parents are probably off helping with this operation anyway, so it's not like there's anyone supervising them. Right. So, or they just snuck out. Or they <laughs> like, snuck out. Any good teenager knows how to do. Yeah. So then we transition to kind of where everything's going on here. And like I wrote in my notes, quote, look at all those fucking trucks <laughs> just <laughs> lined up. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> I, what about all the fans too? Like and yeah. then they, they're like breaking down the whole operation and uh, um, yeah. Yeah. They say how you know, they're, like, going over the gun and, like, kind of how it works, um, saying how, like, the it won't travel in a straight line, like, the quote-unquote bullet, you know, it's, like, you have to adjust for gravity and magnetic fields and all that stuff. And Shinji's like, this will work, right? And Rizuka's like, oh, in theory. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a scientist should never give anything 100%, but... I mean, if you're going to be inside of that, you kind of want a little bit more reassurance than that. <laughs> and and another dope scene is when, you know, the three of them are kind of lined up. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, with the like light behind them? Yes. Like I, that and the the two Avas together, I wrote bo- next to both scenes. Dope. Like just and it's very <laughs> simple. Like the one with the three of them with uh, Miss Emma Shinji and Ray. Like it's. It, it, it's very simple. There's not a lot of detail on their faces. You can't really see a whole lot, but it's just very, it was very impactful to me. Um, you know, kind of showing Miss Emma as the leader and these two kids, you know, having to follow her. And, you know, they're all pretty young and, and having to make big decisions. And I think it's very important. And, and I just thought it was a really cool way to show that. Yeah, definitely. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Hmm. Uh, so they reveal that Shinji's going to be the gunner because he has a higher sync rate uh, with his Ava, which again, just to further ingrain that, basically, like, it just means that his movements and the transition of his what he wants the Ava to do and what the Ava actually does are going to be more precise because he has a higher sync rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Ray's going to be on, you know, guard duty here. And Risco's telling him, you know, the... Computer will basically line everything up for you. You just have to like follow a little uh, reticule, reticule thing, line it up. And he's like, you know, what if I miss? And Rizko's like, if you miss, basically you're gonna die. So yeah. don't miss. Yeah. <laughs> that that was essentially the the essence of her speech. Like, you get one shot, kid. <laughs> if you miss, we're in trouble. And then yeah. we go back to Shinji being Shinji, like whining. Well, I haven't trained for this, and da 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 da. And I guess I can underst- understand his skepticism, especially since he's not a hundred percent sure this is gonna work. Um, but it's it's always like he makes the decision to do it, but then he's like constantly questioning himself along the way. And I guess you know that's true of anybody, but it just seems like everybody around him seems so sure of everything, and he's the only one that seems to be questioning things all the time 
Yeah, and I guess this is and could be another situation situation where we tend to get ourselves kind of distanced from the situation, like what's really going on. Like we just like go over certain things. Like he's been in there for what I feel like less than two months now. Yeah, Ray is trained for years, from what we can kind of pick up here. Mm-hmm. He is being tasked with saving the entire world. He's 14 years old. He has to line up this gun that he's never used before. And if he doesn't hit it the first time, everyone's going to die. I mean, that is a lot. <laughs> it definitely is a lot. So I would be, I'd probably be throwing up if I were him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, that's a valid point, yes. Um, and he says, first of all, I think it's interesting or kind of creepy or just uncomfortable that when they wear the plug suits, they don't wear any underwear or like a bra under them. Like you're just naked under it. I wrote, ew. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, yes, ew. Um, but I guess too, like, and maybe again, this is just a theory, but when Shinji had to get out of that, remember they did the heart massage thing, but obviously nobody's in there to be able to do that to him. So it's got to be the suit that's doing it. So maybe it has to have like absolute contact to your body in order to be able to respond to every little thing. So it can't have any interference, AKA underoos. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I just saw Ray, you know, taking her, her undies off and I was just like mm, I don't know if I could do that yeah I mean even in a wetsuit you wear your baby yeah suit. I need something <laughs> a little bit of a layer I don't know I don't know I mean, maybe it has something maybe maybe the suit has it built into it we don't know yeah it's like I mean save the world sure but getting a plug suit without any underwear on that's where it- I draw the line <laughs> Who's responsible for cleaning these suits? Yeah, machine. Good thing he has a brand new one that Ray just picked up from the uniform shop. Yeah, that's right. It's still in the plastic, so he knows it's safe. Yeah, that you wanted an extra small, right? <laughs> so um, Shinji, being the typical emo child that he is, he's like, "There's a chance we could die." And Ray's like, "Why do you say that?" And she's like, "I I love this line. It like resonates with me." Just Probably just the way that she says it. She's like, says it like as a fact. Like, you won't die. I will protect you. Yep. Yep. Gives me shivers. It does, and it's and it's true. And she believes that. Obviously, she says it. She believes it. Like, and I, I think that yeah. that's helpful to Shinji. You know, to hear somebody say, "I'll protect you," and really, that's that's her sole job. And it seems like she's obviously very task oriented. So, if her one job is to take care of him, then she's going to do it to the best of her ability. Mm-hmm. She's she want her on her team. She gets the job done. Yep. Um, then after that, we get the best shot in the entire show, which is of Pen Pen. Pen Pen. In the distance. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so freaking fluffy in this I picture. Know. I just, I love him. And I, he's just so random, too. Like, to, like, that was such a random shot of him, but it's great. It's just, it's great. Yeah. He's so fluffy. Just so rotund. I just want to give him a hug. It's a pretty dope shot of all the lights going out, too. Like, That's what I wrote down. Too. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And, like, the music is cool. And, like, seeing the whole country, like, go black and you can see all the stars and stuff. Yeah, it's really awesome. And then uh, it it just – and and I don't really know Pen Pen's meaning in that whole thing. But I just think it's very impactful to see an entire continent just shut down. Because you see just above it, um, the lights are still on. But all of Japan is all out. And I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so China is having a party. Japan is in a real, real pickle here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that archipelago is in trouble. Yeah. So, Ray and Shinji have this little heart to heart um, a few moments before this whole thing is going to go down. And again, if I were in his shoes, I would be throwing up so much right now, just mm. from pure anxiety. <laughs> Uh, but she or he asks her, why do you pilot? And she kind of she like looks down and she looks almost like sad. And she says it's her link to everyone. Mm-hmm. What do we what do we make of that? Co-host Allison. Uh, uh, link to everyone. Um, I think that she feels like this duty that she has or this this role that she plays is is her way of connecting to humanity in a way that she doesn't know how to do on her own. So I think that she looks at this mission at this be this piloting of this Ava as a way to link herself to humanity by saving them, essentially. And I don't think she can do that on an individual level. I think it's difficult for her as she's expressed to us, or at least to Shinji over the last couple episodes. Um, And she doesn't seem anxious or nervous at all. She seems to have complete faith that she's going to be able to do this, which is impressive for a kid her age and and anybody really to have that much faith in anything. But I think that she views the mission, she views what she's doing as a way to connect to people that she can't do on an individual level. What do you I agree. Think? Yeah, I mean, it's the only really solid relationship she has are one with Gendo, and we don't even really know what that's made out of. Mm-hmm. And two, the relationship she has with her Ava. Right. Yep. And obviously, she doesn't get along easily with people in general, and mm-hmm. yet her her job is to save humanity, essentially. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I I think that that she's found purpose and that's what makes it easier for her to do. And I don't think Shinji has found that purpose yet, which is why he doubts things so much. Um, And I think maybe Ray has a bigger you know, view of what's happening than Shinji. And and again, it's like, it goes back to what you said. She's had like years and years of training for this. He's just been thrown into this. So it's, I don't think he sees the magnitude or, or, or has the level of faith that she has in it just because he hasn't experienced it like she has. But I think that she's, she's discovered her purpose in this. And then I think Shinji is on that path now to, to figure out what, why he's doing it. Yeah. And she also yeah. says that she has nothing else. Mhm. Yeah, that was I actually wrote down those words because that's that's pretty sad. You know? Yeah. That that's that's her whole life and and she doesn't have anything outside of that. That's pretty that's very sad. Yeah, I mean we have no mention of a father or a mother or siblings or friends or literally anything else 
other right. than this job. Yep. I mean, and, and we see it. She, she kind of sits alone in the classroom. She didn't participate when everybody was in the pool. Like she just doesn't. And even with Shinji, you know, their, their encounter, like she didn't really overreact or react at all. Hardly. I just don't think she knows what it's like to have a, a another human connection. And that's really sad. Um, but on, on the other hand, it's also what's motivating her do, to do something very good. So there you go. Yeah. Catch 22. Um, <laughs> right before the scene ends, she says farewell. Um, in the original Japanese, she says sayonara. Um, and just as for some background, as far as I'm, my understanding is that in Japanese culture, you don't use sayonara very much, if at all. Um, when you're saying goodbye, you say other more casual things, like, and I am trying my best to pronounce these right, like, jane or matane, which is just like, bye-bye, you know, like, see you later. Um, sayonara, you avoid it because it's more of like a final thing. Like, you're not going to see that person for a long time or ever again where it feels like a final thing to say. Mm. So with that in mind, I feel like she might not be expecting to survive this night. It's possible. I think she goes into every mission thinking that. Um, Because if you don't have really anything to lose, then, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I guess. And if you and maybe you have to think that way in order to be able to do this, you know. That if it, you got to think, oh, okay, this could be my last mission, so that's it. And then if something else happens, great. But it, maybe you go into it thinking that every time. I mean, that's that's a horrible way, way to have to work. But uh, who knows? Maybe that's maybe that's what gets you through. Yeah, and then we've been told that the shield that she's using can defend the blast for what, like seventeen seconds or something like that. Seventeen seconds, yeah. But I'm fully confident that if that shield weren't to work, she would use herself Herself, to protect Shinji. Yep. Yep. I think she's protecting him by any means necessary just because of how confidently she told him she would protect him. Yeah. She will go to the ends of the earth to fulfill her goal in this operation. Mm -hmm. Um, So we get like the cool like convergence of all the machines working together. Like wires are steaming. The fans are, you know, humming. You know, everything's just coming together here. Um, Shinji gets this like cool little like helmet visor thing in the Mm -hmm. cockpit. (laughs) It's like a little video game, like a like a VR headset. (laughs) (laughs) Souped up. And if you mentioned the scene of Ava 1 and 0 next to each other um, being really cool, I think that this shot of the two beings almost hitting each other and, like, almost bouncing around each other, like, you know, like, pushing each other away is, like, super cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So they both fire. Um, They both miss. Uh, Supposedly because they, like, fired exactly, like, right at each other. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I think. So, you know, right in the beginning, Shinji has screwed up. <laughs> he missed this first shot. <laughs> that he was told he needed to make. Yeah. This was his one job, Shinji. <laughs> <clears throat> so we get these massive explosions behind Ava 1 and behind the angel. You know, everyone's 
falling down, ground is shaking, this and that. Um, they realize that they missed. The drill finally breaches into the, the geo front. You know, dun dun dun. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and before Shinji can get his second shot off, Ramiel is ready to go, you know, recharging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, charges up, fires that bitch off, and you think that Shinji's about to get annihilated, but do-do-do-do, who saves the day? <laughs> Ray. <laughs> yeah. Like she said that she would. Mm-hmm. And just like like a boss, too, just like standing there. Like, mm, I don't know. We don't get any movement for putting the shield down, but I can just like picture her shoving that thing into the ground mm-hmm. and just giving it her all. Yep. Like when Thor holds open the, the star. <laughs> and then when they have to forge his new weapon, like it's kind of like that. Like she's just everything she's got. Mm hmm. So she is she is holding. You can see the shield melting. Mm hmm. You know, obviously this is not a long-lasting solution, but Shinji is able to recharge, cock the gun again. He fires once more, hits it, dead center. Boom. Yep. Angel goes down in a cloud of blazing glory. In a blaze of glory. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I, I thought this whole this whole scene is is really dope. I mean, like the laser shooting mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It's it's really really cool. And you know the fact that you know Shinji gets a win that second one. And I think a lot of it had to do with his state of mind. Like he had he he felt like okay, so Ray was protecting him. He had to kill this thing, otherwise it was going to kill her. So yeah. he had a different level of threat at that point with that second shot than he had with the first. I mean, yeah, the first there's a lot of pressure on that shot whatever but she was literally in the line of fire of it and so he he had to hit, make that shot and he did so i think you know maybe that was part of his motivation less about the mission in general and, and more about the initial saving of ray saving him mm-hmm. i mean obviously if he misses again like there's no third shot this is this is actually it <laughs> we don't yeah. have another shield just waiting in the wind here right right so uh yeah I'm very sad to say that Ramiel is killed, goes down. Sad moment of silence. Uh, Ray slash Unit Zero is like falls to the ground and it's just like all melted, you know, mm-hmm. all torn, all torn up. Um, and Shinji goes to save her. You know, and you get the like little plug shoots up and like sprays all the LCL out. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I noticed is that. After he takes the entry plug out, um, and it's still in Unit 1's hand, uh, Unit 1's, its hand and its arms are, like, all melted. Mm -hmm. Which at least gives me the impression that he burned his hands, or he he felt like he was burning his hands taking this entry plug out. Yep. Just like Gendo did. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I, I feel like when you watch this episode first, it's easy to look past that and you see him opening the hatchet just like Gendo, but he's not burning his hands when he opens the hatchet. But he he does burn his hands, or at least he feels like he does when he takes the plug out. Right. So it's almost an exact parallel here. Very good call. And yes, um, I think, and he did it in the Ava so that it, and it doesn't do any 
physical damage to him, much like we've seen in other things. His arm got squeezed off, but it didn't. His real arm didn't get squeezed off. So there is some right. transfer of the pain and the 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 feeling that it's having. But maybe he knew that by doing it with the Ava, he could you know absorb the impact and then be able to save her physically himself. But yes, it almost exactly parallels the last incident that that she had to be saved. Only yeah. it was someone different. Do I think he would have opened the hatch with his bare hands, if, even if it was still hot? Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. But he's got his suit on. Um, so we And we don't know. I mean, obviously, it's got to protect them in some way because they're in the, the plug with it on. Um, so I think that protects him. In, but I, but uh, like I said, I think the Ava, like, absorbed a lot of the heat and, and, you know, all of that. And that maybe made it easier for Shinji to just open it normally. You know, I'm I, I, just speculating. But uh, either way, he, he felt the heat yes so he opens the hatch and he's crying um you know he's so happy that she's okay and he's like she's like he's like you know don't you have anything else to say kind of like not in a brood bay but you know she's obviously not giving him uh any reaction and she's just kind of looking at him like why are you crying (laughs) (laughs) again (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's all you do is whine and cry what, why is there water coming from your eyes? <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost like she's going to start comforting him. Like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah really. Even though she's the one that just nearly died and she's the one comforting him. <laughs> yeah. So she tells him, you know, I don't know how to act in these situations. You know, she like apologizes. And not in a rude way, because I know this is kind of like a, in today's world, you telling a girl to smile is not what you want to say but in this particular instance it's very genuine and sincere you know i I gotta say yeah it 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 definitely comes off better than the typical you need to smile more you're so much prettier when you smile like all of those lame ass lines that dudes say um but you're right this this and and i think it it helped them both, you know, and, and because I feel like they both felt connected to each other at, at that point. And maybe the and she saw his reaction. He needed to see a reaction from her. And I think that's what he was getting at. <laughs> yeah. And I will I will go on the record and say that I believe that Ray has every kind of emotion that any other 14 year old child would have. She just doesn't know how to express them. And so by Shinji giving her kind of some direction in how to do that, it helps her out a lot i i agree i mean and there are just you know and, and there are clinical diagnoses for th- things and then there's just being a kid and not knowing how to read the room i mean there's different levels of it but yeah i mean for the most part i think she just like like she'd said before i mean she has nothing else she's she's had no reference point to any of this she's had no other person to interact with to teach her any of these things so i think there's like a mutual level of respect and and is why she kind of um kind of caves at the end there yeah and for like a split second we see an image of gendo kind of plastered onto shinji Mm -hmm. um so do you think that this was just for us to like in case we needed some (laughs) hand-holding or do what do you what do you think this is uh i think it's her connecting the two and and now having this this connection to Shinji that she had with gloves, because like you said, the same thing happened. They both showed uh, care for her and, and concern for her. And and I think she saw it in him in that moment. 
And that's why she smiled because she's like, oh, okay, now I get it. <laughs> yeah. And because it was an outward way for, and, and it also, you know, up until this point, he's showed a lot of hesitation and doing all of these things, but he didn't, didn't hesitate for one second to save her. And I think she recognizes that. And I think it, it was the same way with gloves. And so that's why I think it flashes. I think it's for both. I think that's what she's seeing. Like, maybe subconsciously, but it's also trying to let the viewer know that she's made this connection. Yeah. Now, do you think that her smile, is it genuine or did she just do it because she suggested it? Huh. That's, that's a good question. I would say that it's genuine. And I say that because of the whole gloves piece. If we didn't see that, I think she would just be appeasing Shinji. But because I think because of that flash, I think it makes it genuine because she's really right. Because obviously she has real feeling for him. And so now she has real feeling for Shinji. So I think it was actually a real a real reaction. I'm 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 inclined to agree with you. Well, look you there. We got to start disagreeing more. All right, I'll make, I'll make a note of it. <laughs> Next episode, disagree with Nick. <laughs> yeah, and then after her smile, cut to black. End of episode. Cut to black, yes. Um, again, another cliffhanger. What's going to happen next? Like, it just the show loves to do that. But there was a lot in this episode, and I think we did a good um, job of recapping, you know, everything, making points of the things that we should keep in mind. Like, uh, the Magi was one of the things that we had mentioned that that is going to be a, a big... Uh, a big thing going forward in the SSDF, right? Yeah. So I think some, a couple things just off the top of my head to just think about. I know we're only six episodes into the show, um, but things that are important that they tend to sprinkle in and then not really give any info about, but are worth contemplating a lot are uh, just remember the SSDF and that it's like a military organization essentially. But yeah, the Magi, um, why are the angels going or trying to get into the Geofront? And also remember that little thing that Genda was talking to the Rubik's Cube Club about, um, the Human Instrumentality Project. Remember that one too. That's right. That's right. Good to know. Um, so with that, uh, we want to say thank you. Thank you to everyone who is listening. We really, really appreciate you spending time with us uh, to go over a show that we really feel very passionately about. Um, if there's anything that you feel passionate about um, so far or looking forward, please feel free to email us at fullimpactpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, both Nick and I would be happy to respond to any questions or comments or if there's anything content-wise you'd like to hear us talk about, please let us know. Uh, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, all of those great podcast apps. Um, so, yeah, I, again, we appreciate you listening. Listening. If you can, please leave us a review or a rating because that helps our podcast. Um, and we really hope that you check in with us next week. We will be covering episode seven of Neon Genesis Evangelion, Human Creation. Uh, so I am your host, Allison. And with me, as always, is my dedicated co-host, Nick. Ooh, that's me. Yep. That's you. All right. Well, until next time. Until next time. 